Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Wicker. I'm the lead minister over at Manatee Life. This past weekend was Resurrection Sunday weekend. It was Easter weekend, and we had a marvelous time over at Manatee Life. We'll head over to the sanctuary and hear this week's message, Looking for Life in All the Wrong Places. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus conquered death forever. The stone was rolled away from the empty tomb, and we were given new life in Christ. But what happened next? Well, here are five things Jesus did after his resurrection and what they mean to us today. First of all, Jesus showed up. Jesus spent 40 days on earth after his resurrection. During this time, he eased his followers' doubts and gave them direction for the future. Jesus didn't shout his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth. Today, he does the same. He's still near, ready to hear our cries and heal our hearts. The second thing Jesus did after his resurrection was he modeled community. From breaking bread on the road to Emmaus to having breakfast on the beach with his disciples, we see Jesus make time for relationships. Jesus was never too busy to stop and show how he cared. As his followers, we are called to intentionally serve people in our families, our workplaces, and our cities. Just like Jesus, you can prioritize your community. The third thing Jesus did after the resurrection When he came back, he wasn't frustrated that his disciples hadn't understood his plan. He met them in their uncertainty and fear instead. Jesus consoled the woman weeping at the empty tomb. He eased Thomas's doubts. He spoke words of life and peace. Today, our Savior still has grace for our questions and confusion. He still draws near when our hearts are broken. The fourth thing Jesus did after the resurrection, he redeemed mistakes. Before the crucifixion, you remember, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. Later, we see Jesus restore Peter by asking him three times if he loves him and instructing Peter to care for his people. Even though Peter stumbled in his faith, it didn't cancel his identity in Christ. In the same way, we can trust that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And the fifth thing Jesus did after his resurrection, he instructed and empowered. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his followers to go and make disciples of every nation. With these instructions, we're called to live every day with intentionality, looking for opportunities to share the gospel. It's our job to show people what it means to know God and to make him known. So share God's word with the people in your life today. Let's head over to the sanctuary. Welcome this morning to Manatee Life Church. This joyous morning, we journeyed to the tomb with Mary Magdalene and discovered the stone is rolled away. An empty grave remains to prove our Savior lives. With joy, with joy, we discover that Christ Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. Come, let us offer praise and thanks to God for fulfilling the resurrection promise. 
Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we want to let your truth seep deep down into our hearts and souls today. Help us stay focused on you. And we pray for the many who will understand for the first time this Easter Sunday that you are risen. Wash over every soul with fresh hope and overwhelming joy. Bring new life as only you can, O God. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, the first 12 verses. I invite you to hear these holy words. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but that when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb. When he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. The women come early in the morning. They've got spices. They've gotten ready for anointing Jesus' dead body. I've, I've, I've often wondered, why would they do that? I mean, what's the point at this point? Why bother? And I guess that they are probably doing it for the same reasons that we have viewings and funerals. Uh, they're doing it for the same reasons we take flowers to the cemetery, to the grave of a loved one. They're showing their respect and love for the dead. I mean, they've been with Jesus and experienced his radical acceptance of them, his love for them, his teachings, that it somehow changed their perspective on things and changed their hearts. And they loved him for it, even though they really never quite fully understood what Jesus was all about. But they knew he loved them, and they knew that they loved him. And they didn't want to forget. They didn't want to forget the one who had brought such life and love to their lives, such hope, such meaning, however short a time period that was. 
They didn't want to forget the one who had been so kind to them. They wanted to show proper respect to the one they had loved. They were in mourning. And this is what we do when we're in mourning. We go to where the lifeless body lays or where the ashes are kept or to where we have a fond memory of that loved one. We go seeking. When the women get to where Jesus was buried, the stone covering of the entrance of the tomb has been rolled away. They can't find Jesus' body. Suddenly, two men in clothes gleamed like lightning. And they stand beside them and ask them a question that is our focus this morning. And it can be haunting to us. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for life in a tomb? Why do you seek comfort, solace, and hope in a graveyard? Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's the question the angel asked those women over 2,000 years ago when they were looking for Jesus' dead body. And 2,000 years later, it can be a question we need to ask ourselves. For is it not true that in one way or another, we all go looking for the living? We all go looking for life among the dead? I remember back in the, I'm, I'm going to date myself here, back in the 1980s, there was a bumper sticker that was going around, and it said, the one who dies with the most toys wins. And I remember thinking back then, how sad is that? I mean, that's winning to have the most toys? That's what life is all about, really? What's so great about that? It's all so fleeting. It's all so shallow and meaningless. But that is looking for the living among the dead looking for living among the dead. So many of us do just that. We might think, well, if I get that promotion at work, that'll mean a raise and everything will finally be okay. I can feel good about myself. I'll have that title I've always wanted. I can buy the things I've been wanting to get. I'll have no more problems. I will finally have life. I'll finally be happy. Can I tell you that even if that were to happen, you would still not be satisfied. We would still not have found life. We would still be flailing about in the darkness, seeking but never finding, looking but never seeing. One thing we human beings all have in common, we're very good at, is looking for life in all the wrong places. Where do we seek life? Where do we seek salvation? Or where have we sought life? Look back on your life. Have you sought life somewhere among the dead and found yourself still wanting? I think we all have. Some of us may seek life in our desires. Others may seek life in power over others. 
Some may seek life in wealth and material things. It is all for naught. It is all for naught. Where do you, where do I look for life? If we spend our days looking for life in all the wrong places, we're never going to find it. Remember the rich young ruler, the story of the rich young ruler approaching Jesus. Comes running up to Jesus, says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was so eager. He was so excited. He was ready. Jesus said to him, sell everything you got. Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. We're told that when the young man heard this, Scripture says, he became very sad because he had great wealth. So he walked away from the only one who could truly give him life and give him what he asked for, eternal life. But he walked away. He walked away rich but sad. So was he really rich? He was seeking life, but he chose death. Why is it so hard for us to give up these fleeting things of this world? Why is it so horrendously impossible for us to make the decision to seek for li- seek life among the living? Why is it so impossible? Because it is. On our own, left to our own vices, It is impossible for us to stop looking for life among the dead. But Jesus said, with people, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Faith is a gift from God. It's not something we can get or grasp or put our hands around. It's something we must accept as a gift. It is a free, unconditional gift. We just have to receive it. It's something we must experience, and it changes us in dramatic and radical ways. It's how we find life, and it is how we find the reason for which we were created. And the journey of life out of death starts and is found here at the tomb, at the empty tomb. If we were to just go on living our lives without ever accepting that free gift from God, continuing to cling on to this world rather than turning to Jesus Christ, we would just die with no forgiveness, no life, no salvation, no hope. How sad. Because Jesus Christ came into this world to save us. Let me make it more personal. He came into this world to save you and me individually. He loves each and every one of us just that much. He died the death that we deserve for the wages of sin or, or, or the payment for sin is death. It's what we deserve. Jesus rose from the dead as the only sinless victim of death. The only one who never sinned, 
Because of that, death has no hold on him. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, from the dead is the game changer. It changes everything. It's the hinge of history. It's the moment of reckoning. It is the light in the darkness. So let me ask you this Easter morning. Where are you looking for life? In the darkness or in the light of Jesus Christ's resurrection? We are only happy. We only find peace. We only have joy in Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a game changer because once we walk up to that tomb, once we walk up to it, and see it empty with the stone rolled away, we can't go back. We can't go back to the way our lives were before. We cannot go back to the world with the same eyes, with the same worldview. Once we have found the pearl of great price, once we have found the treasure hidden in the field, we can never be truly happy with the old life ever again. Once we walk up to that tomb and see it empty and find out that we cannot look for the living among the dead, the clock starts ticking on our former way of life. The knowledge of the resurrection compels those of us to, who believe to walk the path of discipleship. And that is when our life has begun. When Christ calls us, we must experience the call to give up our ties to this world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. He said, this is the death of the old human being in the encounter with the risen Christ. And it is, at the same time, the beginning of new life, real life, life everlasting, found only in Jesus Christ and in him alone. It is the beginning of freedom and living, not for ourselves, but for the sake of God and others. It is the beginning of our experience of living with the love of God inside our hearts. It is life found. It is rejoicing. It is then and only then that we can cry out, sing out, and praise God in spirit and truth. Now someone, maybe I'm jumping ahead here. Maybe someone here, someone watching us on YouTube this morning, maybe someone is asking, oh, that all sounds great, but who is, who is this Jesus he keeps talking about? There's a fantastic preacher many, many years ago. His name was S.M. Lockridge. And he preached a fiery sermon called, That's My King. And part of that perfectly describes Jesus Christ. These are his words. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand it, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord has risen today. He's alive. And because he lives, I live, you live, we all live because of the risen Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you love this world so much that you gave your one and only son that we might be called your children too. Lord, help us to live in the gladness and grace of Easter Sunday every day. Let us have hearts of thankfulness for your sacrifice. Let us have eyes that look upon your grace and rejoice in your salvation. Help us to walk in that mighty grace and tell your good news to the world. All for your glory do we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. And now receive this benediction. Let us go out and inspire love. Embrace Christ. Engage the world. Tell somebody that Christ has risen. And tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. Praise God. He is risen. You know, Easter Sunday might be over, but what it means for us matters all year long. Every Sunday should be a little Easter. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we're able to access God's grace, presence, and reassurance like never before, forever. And we are going to take next week off on Soul Ramblings podcast, so we will be back two weeks from today. And we will be starting a new series. You know, we spent those weeks of Lent leading up to Easter looking at the famous last words of Jesus from the cross. Starting with our next episode, we will start looking at some things that Jesus never said. The series is called Jesus Never Said That. You know, we love offering little nuggets of advice, support, or sympathy. They come in handy when we want people to feel better. But what if the guidance we're giving or receiving just is not true? What if Jesus never said that? We invite you to tune in in two weeks for the beginning of that series. You can also join us online every Sunday morning on YouTube. Got a link in the show notes of this episode at Manatee Life Church. Live stream those services 1030 Eastern Time on YouTube. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. Be sure to get social with us on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Go to our Facebook or our Instagram page and follow us there. We'd really appreciate you doing that. The links are in the show notes. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast episode right now, if you would go and click subscribe, that way you won't miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. And before we scoot out the door for today, here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. I'm Jerry Wicker, lead minister at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. We'll see you in two weeks on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Until then, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.